I'm Marianne Kolbesek McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Chad Waters and Yuso Leninen, Security Engineers at ECRI. ECRI is a nonprofit patient safety organization, and I'll be talking to them about the entity's 2021 top health technology hazards list, which included several cyber-related items this year. So Yuso, for starters, very briefly describe what ECRI examined when it put together the 2021 top health tech hazards list, and how did the COVID-19 situation impact the list this year? So the ECRI top 10 health technology hazard list is one of our most high profile publications where we try to identify generic uh, problems that impact organizations, healthcare delivery organizations on a variety of different technology areas. And this is a really, really an organization wide effort where ECRI's engineers, scientists, clinicians, nurses, pharmacists, all provide their insight from the work that they conducted during the past year to identify these high impact sources of errors or issues to really help hospitals prioritize some of these key efforts. And, and one, of the, one of the key things when we look at these is to also provide actionable and practical recommendations, how hospitals can tackle these issues. And the your second point of your question, absolutely, COVID-19 had an impact on our list this year. As you can see from, uh, from several of the items, there is a, there is a component uh, of COVID-19 response in many aspects, as well as forward-looking items uh, of how can we transition from just COVID-19 response to COVID-19 recovery and moving forward and tackling these health healthcare technology-related items moving forward. So when I look at the list, I see at least four hazards that touch upon cybersecurity issues that are included in the list this year. Let's discuss them one by one, and each of you can comment on why this particular hazard was chosen and any recommendations that you might have in terms of entities addressing those issues. The first one was security vulnerabilities that exist in operating systems and other third-party software components incorporated into medical devices. Chad, do you want to explain? Over the past year, we've noticed um, a lot of vulnerability disclosures uh, within third-party software components that could be embedded within medical devices. Uh, This could be network drivers, Within a device, it could be maybe the operating system. There were numerous occasions where the, the response to that from, from a, a provider's perspective is, okay, we, we know about this vulnerability. Now we need to identify what devices in our environment are susceptible to, to this vulnerability. And there's quite a bit of work involved in in remediating the, the vendor needs to coordinate. They need to investigate uh, what's what's within their systems and they need to communicate to uh, providers what devices that they have that could be um, susceptible. You so anything you'd like to add? I want to highlight the practical challenge uh, uh, in regards to this hazard, which is which is part of the reason why it, it made it to the top uh, top list. Again, it is difficult for many hospitals to track all these different software components that um, may be part of the medical devices they um, they currently have in their inventory. So, really narrowing down how one of these large scales generic 
hazards or vulnerabilities impacts an inventory or a fleet of devices in a hospital, it is really difficult for many organizations to manage. And they're often reliant on the medical device manufacturer uh, to, uh, to notify. So again, I think the practical concern of identifying devices uh, that are impacted is, is definitely a big challenge. Now, also on the list is rapid adoption of telehealth tech that leaves patients and data at risk. You so please explain why that stands out from a cybersecurity perspective and any recommendations that you have. In response to COVID-19, we saw a surge of interest in telehealth from ECRI's member base. Lots of hospitals adopting telehealth solutions in a, in a matter of days or weeks or expanding their existing uh, telehealth platforms. It was really initially just a response to the COVID-19 to make sure that we can deliver care during the stay-at-home orders, both for COVID patients as well as continuing regular care activities. Uh, but now I think the message has been clear. There's no, there's no going back to a non-telehealth uh, environment. And, and part of this, uh, the, the, the reason why this particular topic made it to the list was this rapid increase. And what may have been overlooked uh, during that uh, rapid expansion phase and, and primarily the, the, the security perspective of did, did we conduct a thorough security risk assessment as part of that initial adoption process? Again, ECRI's already heard from our member, our member hospitals about technologies that were implemented as kind of a knee-jerk reaction right away and then later on realized that, hey, this is, this is not a a, a long-term feasible solution. So, so that's definitely something for hospitals to consider uh, to retroactively look at the solutions that were implemented and see if there are any changes that need to be made uh, in order to make them long-term sustainable. Chad, anything you'd like to offer? Telehealth security was actually a topic in our previous top 10 uh, in 2020. And the story there was that as providers are rolling out telehealth, they should have a plan to security of, of these systems. Forward a, a year later, uh, things have definitely changed. Uh, the, the adoption is due to COVID has accelerated and still need to look back, step back what, what, what you have done and just make sure that you have that security considerations in place. And there's also an element to that of HHS has some discretionary enforcement of, of HIPAA, specifically with the use of consumer chat platforms like FaceTime, uh, Zoom. We're going to need to eventually roll back and make sure that any kind of telehealth system um, is uh, properly secured for, uh, for HIPAA compliance with uh, business associates, agreements, et cetera. So, so one additional concern uh, is really the that a lot of these telehealth solutions are, are expanding both to the home environment and, and really expanding the use of personal devices to communicate uh, health information, as well as a, a, a connecting clinicians from different locations. And even in the use case of emergency use telehealth, 
it becomes increasingly important to both secure the data as well as uh, ensure system availability. Again, if you have an uh, like a NICU emergency room that's relying on a telehealth platform that is used maybe a couple times a year normally, it, it's something that the system availability becomes much more important as we are uh, looking at more and more telehealth adoption across the entire healthcare delivery system. And now this next item, maybe it's somewhat related to telehealth, maybe not, but on the list is remote operation of medical devices designed for bedside use. What are some of the potential concerns there? Chad, you want to go first? One thing that we've seen over the past year is the remote control of devices that provide life-sustaining support, mostly ventilators. When you implement a remote control of it, you're expanding the attack surface of that and potentially making that vulnerable to unauthorized access. The other component to that is that these are out there via a emergency use authorization from, from the, the FDA. While they are cleared to, to be used now, that can be revoked and the, the provider is gonna have to make sure that they that they are in compliance with that as as things step back to normal clearances. One of the the key reasons for this one on the list this year is we saw this remote use of medical devices as the response to um, a a, PPE uh, or personal protective equipment shortages, uh, trying to find ways to not have to continuously enter the patient room. Um, and, and some of these remote operation methods for a device, whether it's ventilators or, uh, or infusion pumps or, or, or other equipment, uh, I, I think that, that the main point here was uh, most of these devices were designed to be operated at the bedside. And some of these remote control features were kind of like an add-on. And I think that just highlights the need to assess uh, any sort of security risks there. And secondly, as, as conveyed in the hazard decrees view right now, is definitely these should be considered as temporary solutions, at least at, at the moment. Yes, there may be a time and a place and a suitable application for remote use of medical devices, but especially these kind of ad hoc AA developments uh, of, of remote control features, uh, they need to be thoroughly assessed uh, and, and the security uh, needs to be a, a component there. And this other item here is something that Chad sort of touched upon, and that's the complexity of using medical devices that received FDA's COVID-19 emergency use authorization. Again, what stands out about that? Is it that these products might have been rushed out and not addressed in terms of potential vulnerabilities and other security-related weaknesses? You so. So, so I think this is a more of a, a, a technology management challenge, and that's really why uh, it made it to the top of the list. Again, the emergency use authorization uh, it definitely implies that uh, there are definitely conditions that are, are related to you getting emergency use authorization, but it was enabled by this public uh, health emergency. And essentially, it, it doesn't go to the same level of rigor 
of, of evaluating the evidence of safety and effectiveness as a normal FDA procedure would. So the point about this one is the emergency use authorizations are uh, essentially temporary. They may change uh, during this public health emergency. And I think we've seen that with some equipment as well already, as well as after the public health emergency ends, uh, it, it's to be seen how exactly we're gonna be dealing with these devices that were purchased under this. So I, I think it, that, that the reason why it made it to the top of the list, Eckerd definitely perceives this to be a, a challenging area for hospitals to deal with, both from how do when I procure devices, as well as how do I keep an inventory of devices, as well as how do I keep on top of all of these changes to the emergency use authorizations. So it wasn't necessarily specifically related to cybersecurity, but more as a Hey, this is this is the te- a significant technology hurdle, and and ECRI is doing uh, doing our best to provide guidance for our healthcare organizations to deal with it. And one final question: anything that we didn't cover that is on that list there that also has a cyber component, or something that is perhaps emerging this year, looking ahead, that is not on the list that you have any predictions about? So this year we saw really really a multiple cybersecurity aspects um, in our top 10 list. Cybersecurity has now routinely made it to the top top of the list as a single item at least. But now I think this is one of the first years where uh, cybersecurity is a component of a a number of different technology concerns. And I, I think we see that overall continuing. More and more the hospital environment reliance on network connectivity or data exchange to achieve clinical workflows. Uh, Cybersecurity is integral to that, obviously. And I think from from the kind of recommendation perspective, I wanted to touch on uh, this kind of overall arching recommendation that deals with all all of these, these topics. I think overall, we've seen a lot of information become available about cybersecurity of medical devices, systems, and solutions. But I think we have still ways to go in in making that a part of the assessment, risk assessment process, especially upfront. So I would definitely recommend healthcare facilities to find ways to incorporate pre-procurement security risk assessment uh, as part of their processes when they're selecting a telehealth solution or whether they're looking at a remote medical device uh, application or just any any network connected device and bringing, uh, I guess, more attention to the different software components that the devices are comprised of. Again, there's a, a lot of information available. And I think, how do we uh, make it such that we hospitals can effectively analyze it and uh, and utilize it both in the already in the procurement stage of the process to try to uh, identify if there's an outlier or, or, or issue a security issue with the device uh, maybe it's worth it to go go with another one so really this is this is a process that we often see happen at a um, kind of more of as an afterthought. Uh, Many times a solution or device uh, has already been procured and it's kind of tossed on to the IT side. Hey, please just connect this up with that EHR and, and, and let's move forward. I think that's that obviously that security risk assessment still needs to occur, but more we can factor this in upfront pre-procurement, the better. 
So with the development of telehealth and more consumer-facing medical devices, uh, one thing we're going to be seeing is how to effectively communicate security information to, to the patient. There's a lot of work and discussion around these topics um, within, within the medical device security community. Thanks, Yuso and Chad. I've been speaking to Chad Waters and Yuso Leninen of ECRI. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.